Knowledge is the fuel that powers intelligent buying and selling. So get a quick recharge with me, Ron Edwards, Master Sommelier and Director of Wine Education for Winebow, Fine Wine, and Spirits. Welcome to Wine Smart. Today we're going to talk about food and wine pairing again, and we're going to talk about tannin. It's a very important part of wine, especially red wine, and uh, it also occurs in orange wine and a few white wines as well. But what is it? Well, tannin is a term for a group of phenolic compounds called tannoids as well that are found naturally in plants that have a commonality or two. And the two that we're going to focus on are the fact that they cause an astringent flavor profile and they have an ability to bind and precipitate proteins, which is super important in food and wine interaction. The term itself actually comes from all the way back to the word for oak bark in Latin, which is tannum. And then someone who took oak bark and tanned animal skins into leather in medieval Latin was tanare or tanari. And then in Anglo-Norman language, it became tanner. And so things that a tanner used were tannic. Um, they're found in all kinds of different plants, including edible plant seeds and fruits, which we knew because, well, we eat those things. What's interesting to me is that they have some really prominent interactions in the natural world, including antioxidant properties. They're very good at preventing oxidation. Their astringency plays a role in protecting from predation of plants and fruits. This is super interesting. So think about this. Unripe berries or apples, for example, they're, they're pretty bitter and unattractive to animals. We even use a bitter apple spray here at the house to prevent our dog from chewing on things he's not supposed to. Ripe berries and apples, they're not as bitter. They're actually quite pleasant and attractive. And so they get spread around the world because animals like them and they eat them and then they deposit the seeds somewhere else because those berries and apples are now ripe and ready to reproduce the plant. Some plant tissues are so bitter that grazing animals and insects will not feed on them. That's right. Tannin can actually act as an insecticide. Tannins also have a natural ability to prevent various kinds of spoilage. They are an antifungal, antibacterial, and even an antiviral. Tannic acid and propylgallate in specific actually inhibit foodborne and aquatic bacteria as well as off-flavor producing microorganisms. Super handy. This protection against spoilage definitely plays a role in wine because when you look at wine production and wine ageability, there are four components in wine that make it ageable alcohol, tannin, acidity, and sugar. Within our own bodies, tannin interacts in ways that is certainly unexpected to me, uh, and they have been reported to do some good things and perhaps some bad things. So we need to know which tannin we're talking about, but we're just talking about tannin in general, not necessarily wine tannin. The positive things that tannin can do in the body is accelerate blood clotting and reduce blood pressure. That's pretty awesome. They can decrease serum lipid level. They can also produce liver necrosis, so we need to stay away from that version of tannin. And they modulate immunoresponses, which is also very interesting. Now that we know a little bit more about tannin, let's bring it into the reality and practicality of food. So let's first talk about some foods that most of us have eaten or are regularly consuming a beverage of some sort that has notable tannin. The first two I want to mention are beverages, black tea and coffee. We already knew about that. That's part of the attraction. But what do we do to that to, to moderate astringency? That's what we want to find out. Cocoa powder or just cocoa. Legumes, that one surprised me. Yes, your beans have tannin in them. Apple skins and pear skins, etc. They all have that bitterness element. Blackberries, raspberries, cranberries, and rhubarb most assuredly has tannin. Barley, didn't know that one. 
and nuts. Yeah, lots of nuts have that astringency. And of course, grapes, we already knew that one. All of those items and beverages present us with experience of consuming it at some point and inform us as to how we should work with tannin and wine. So let's use some examples. People make their coffee and tea less astringent by adding what? Cream or sugar or cream and sugar. Make your apple skin less impactful, less bitter to you by dipping your slice in peanut butter, which is fat and sugar. Berries are garnished with sugar. They're dried or turned into jam so that some sweetness balances out the astringency. Nuts, what do we do with those? We roast them to bring out the oils and, and natural sweetness of the nut meat as a foil to the bitter elements. Barley and beans, what do we do to those? We cook them to break down some of those tannin molecules and therefore make them less astringent. So what are we learning about subduing bitterness and tannins from our everyday interactions with common foods? Well, first we're learning that sugar can cover it, but when we move into wine, sugar has to be in the wine because if it's on the plate, not in the wine, it's not going to subdue tannin. It's actually going to make it worse. Think of coffee, right? Coffee with cream and sugar in it gets balanced because inside the solution, you have those fat and sweet elements balancing out astringency. However, if you take that same coffee and drink it black and then have your chocolate chip cookie or your brownie or something sweet, what it does for me at least, and you can try this yourself, is it accentuates the oppositeness of the two and doesn't really come into a harmony. They just sort of like stand apart and one rinses away the other, but it doesn't really make the happiness that cream and sugar makes inside the coffee. Fat calms by covering up bitterness, especially saturated fat. Unsaturated fat, the fat that doesn't come from animals, that's not gonna help you much, but saturated fat will. And what about proteins? Proteins are essential. Tannin molecules attach themselves to proteins and cause them to precipitate out. So that's what makes your mouth pucker and dries. It's taking all the protein out of your saliva, which dries your mouth out. So we have to find something to substitute for that. All right, so let's take these basic experiences, let them point us in a direction so that when we have tannic wine, we know what to do with it, with componentries of dishes and foods and, and the right things. Sugar in food does not help tannin. It actually fights with it and makes it, the astringency feel more bitter. Tannin and sugar are both present in the wine, something like port, then you can work with the sugar on the plate. Acidity in food has dependencies. If the wine has the same or lower or very close pH to the food, then you can balance out the tannin with that food item to get started at least. Okay, so the example there would be marinara sauce with Sangiovese. It works because Sangiovese has a pH that can handle marinara sauce. If you, however, put that marinara sauce with warm climate Cabernet, then the tannin really pops out and becomes sort of edgy and hard because the acidities don't match right in the wine and food. Fat works with tannin if it's saturated fat. We've said that a couple of times, it's super important. So this is animal fat and it buffers the astringency by putting a barrier between you and the tannin. Think of the rich fattiness of a steak making that tannic red taste more fruit forward. That Parmesan cheese in the risotto and the fat in the veal shank soothing that tannic aggressiveness of Barolo. Cheeses naturally offer plenty of fat, but you have to be careful because they can absorb tannin or buffer tannin, but you gotta be careful about the pH of the cheese. You've gotta not include blue cheese most of the time because the, the mold in the blue cheese that makes it blue cheese can be more astringent and make it worse. Uh, and the production method, right? Like washed rind cheeses are not going to be very friendly to tannic wine but an aged sheep's milk cheese will be great. 
and then it's whole or melted, right? You take gorgonzola and you eat it room temperature with tannic red wine, not such a good pairing. But you make gorgonzola cheese sauce and you put it on your gnocchi and all of a sudden your Nebbiolo tastes like a million bucks. Unsaturated fats are not very effective in reducing impact of tannin. In fact, you know, they just sort of stand apart from each other. And we have to be super careful with oils like fish oils. Now, that's still basically animal-derived. But for whatever reason, fish oils antagonize tannin. When you put those two things together, your fish tastes like it's old and fishy. And your wine tastes like metal. It's not, not a good thing. Protein is essential, right? We kind of knew that. So when trying to balance out a tannic wine, you need to look for the right protein. We already know that tannin makes our mouths dry out because it's precipitating the proteins in our saliva. So let's give it something else to chew on. Red meat is the most effective. It absorbs the most tannin. Then you would move to pork and veal. And if you're going to have a high tannin level against it, you need some more fat on the plate. If you work with game meats like venison, then you have to deal with moderate tannin because there's not a lot of, of fat there. Those game meats are lean. Our, our meat from birds, you know, duck, goose, wild game birds, those are pretty dark. They actually work like red meat. Squab, not so dark, so don't get so tannic. Uh, those dark-ish meats like chicken and turkey thighs, yeah, a little less tannin. And then when we get into chicken and turkey breast. We're dealing with mostly protein, not a lot of fat, so you got to limit tannin there and go to something much lighter. Astringency in food is risky with tannic, so you have to be very careful. Those sautéed uh, bitter greens and tannic wine, mm, be careful. That's You need other things on the plate to, to run interference. Salt and tannin sort of don't really interact with each other much. They, they're just fine. They, they, they don't really affect each other. Texturally rich foods are a huge help with tannin mashed potatoes, uh, polenta, those sort of things, because they, they reduce the overall impression of tannin. So you can go with a lighter protein perhaps, but increase the richness of texture on the dish. Let's talk about some common grapes that need tannin management with food. Nebbiolo, Sangiovese, Cabernet Sauvignon, Merlot, Malbec, Grenache and Garnacha, same grape. Some places it's called Cananao. Morvedra, and Carmenere. Those are all relatively commonly consumed and they all need tannin management. Here's the, the nuts and bolts are this. Elevated tannin needs a combination of protein and saturated fat to find balance. The intensity of the protein and the fat is directly correlated to the tannin level. High protein fat will absorb high levels of tannin. Low protein and fat will not absorb much tannin. Check out the show notes for links to the sources for my tannin facts and research and a video overview of wine and food pairing principles from my LinkedIn account. Until next time.